Bible reading this morning uh, comes to us from uh, a few places this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you're gonna, we're going to need to put a few little pieces together. I hope that you've been uh, reading along with us in our study of Leviticus. This week uh, we asked you to read Leviticus 8 and 9. We have this little uh, reading guide available out in the lobby. It's also, you can find it online so that you can track with us and where we're going because the study of Leviticus does take a little bit of work and a little uh, bit of uh, reading ahead of time so that you can uh, keep up with what we're, what we're talking about here in our worship service. So we're going to start actually in Exodus this morning. Exodus 28, we're going to read in three places this morning. Uh, Exodus 28, we are going to read verses 1 through 5. These are the words of God uh, that are coming to Moses, again telling Moses what he wants done so that God can live and dwell among his people. That's God's desire. And so this is what God says. He says, Have Aaron your brother brought to you from among the Israelites along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, so that they may serve me as priests. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so that he may serve me as priest. These are the garments they are to make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons so that they may serve me as priest. Have them use gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. And then for our reading that we had this week, uh, Leviticus 8, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. This is God coming again to Moses. These are all, again, the words of instruction of God. The Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron and his sons their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams and the basket containing bread made with yeast, and gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. And then Leviticus 9, 22 through 24. This is at the end of all the consecration and ordination of Aaron and, and his sons as priests, and it says in verse 23, or 20, uh, I'm going to start with uh, 22, then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of the meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and they fell face down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almost uh, 55 years ago now, in 1965, there was an event that was called Topping Day. A topping Day was uh, quite simply the final day where they were going to put the top piece into the St. Louis Archway. This archway has been, they were working on it for uh, a number of years, and on one side you had 71 pieces coming up on the south side, you had 71 pieces coming up on the north side, 
and now came time to fit the final piece in into the eight and a half foot gap. And on this day they found, I, this is just bonus material, the engineers and all of that were only three eighths of an inch off when they got to the top of that whole thing and they slid that eight and a half foot piece in there and the St. Louis Arch was completed on this topping day as a memorial to Thomas Jefferson uh, and as a gateway arch uh, to the west. It was topping day. And I mention this because I believe in our Bible reading today, uh, it's topping day. It's topping day because what we've been reading so far in Leviticus is that God has been setting the pieces in place so that he can come and live and dwell among his people. That's been his heart's cry, right? I want to live and I want to dwell with you. I want to be with you. But there was a problem. God was holy. The people were sinful. So how can a holy God dwell and live with sinful people? God says, I'll do this. I'll put the pieces in place. And that's why we read about all these instructions in Exodus and how the people carried them out in Leviticus. That these are the instructions of God that said, this is how I can live and how I can dwell with you. And so God put the pieces in place. And the first piece that he put in place that we read about was he put the tabernacle in place. God set the tabernacle in place and said, this will be my holy house. This will be the place where I will live and where I will dwell. And then God said, the second piece that I'm going to put into place, which we talked about last week, are the offerings that you need to put into place. So we had the tabernacle and we have the offerings. And God said, these are, these are pieces you need to put in place that will, will allow you to dwell in my holiness. And we come to our Bible reading today in Leviticus 8 and 9, and it's topping day because God said, here is the final piece that I'm going to put in place. And that final piece that I'm putting in place so, so me, a holy God, can meet with you, a sinful people, and dwell and live with you is this. We're going to put priests in, in, in place. We're going to call Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. And you may have already picked up on this as you've read through uh, our offerings last week. Because every time an offering was given, it said it was done with the help of Aaron and his sons. And this was the role for Aaron and his sons as priests, that they were going to serve God. They were going to serve on behalf of God to help maintain and be custodians of God's holiness as the people came to God. And they were given this, this charge. We read uh, about it in Leviticus uh, 10, just looking ahead a little bit. Leviticus 10, 10, it says, uh, God says to Aaron and the sons, it says, they are doing this so you can distinguish in 10, 10, between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. This was the group, Aaron and his sons, the priests that would be the ones charged with maintaining the holiness of God with his people, because that's the only place that God could dwell. And so for the next 1,500 years, Aaron and his relatives served in this role as priests to help maintain the, to maintain the holiness of God. Now, if you're Aaron and his sons, we know that they were pretty common people. In fact, this is interesting, because if you think about Aaron, 
One of the prior to this, one of the things that he's most known for and well known for is leading his people in idolatry, isn't it? Building a golden calf and telling people to worship the calf. And here God comes in grace and he says, Aaron, you're going to be my priest. Wow, what a, what a change of events here. But for Aaron and his sons to change and to, to, to be the priest, they couldn't just be ordinary Aaron and ordinary uh, sons uh, because God is holy and God's presence is holy. And so Aaron and his sons would have to ritually become holy, be set apart like God. They'd have to be given a new, be seen in a new position. They'd have to be given some new authority as God's representatives so that they could serve God to the people. And so Aaron and his sons then uh, had to go through what we would call consecration or ordination. And we get that here in Leviticus 8. You may notice that all of Leviticus 8 starts with the Lord said. And these are the instructions of God, right? He's a holy God, sinful people. I'm coming to you, telling you how I'm going to be able to dwell with you. And God said, we're going to set up priests. We're going to put them in a position. But first, you've got to take ordinary Aaron and ordinary uh, sons, and you need to set them apart, and you need to make sure that they are used ex ex um, exclusively for my purposes and represent me exclusively in the way that I should be represented in holiness. One of the TV shows that Amy and I have uh, enjoyed uh, watching together is The Crown. Do I have any Crown fans with me today? Yeah. November 14, season 4. It's back. The Crown. And uh, one of the things, uh, there was an episode in The Crown which was just stunning to me. And it was uh, the, the, the episode where... Uh, they recreated the coronation of Queen Elizabeth in Westminster Abbey. And what was interesting to me on that day is 25-year-old Elizabeth, average Elizabeth, enjoying all the things that a 25-year-old girl enjoys. On that day, she got out of the carriage and through the different gowns that she wore, through the different liturgy that took place, through the oil that was poured on her, through all the pomp and circumstances that took place in Westminster Abbey, when she exited out through those doors, in the eye of the people, she was no longer ordinary Elizabeth. She was Queen Elizabeth in their eyes. And that's the thing that's going on here in chapter 8. God is taking ordinary Aaron, taking his sons, and he is gathering them so, and performing an ordination, a consecration, setting them apart to be holy, so that in the eyes of the people, they will see them that way. And so what we see in verse 33, uh, what we see happening here in, in uh, chapter 8, which is outlined in verse 33 and 36, is a seven-day ordination. A seven-day ordination. Uh, God says to them in 8 verse 33, do not leave the entrance to the tent of the meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed, for your ordination will last seven days. <coughs> Excuse me. So over the course of these seven days, ordinary Aaron and ordinary Aaron's sons will move through. They'll gather at the tent of the meeting. 
And by the end of the seven days, they will now be seen as holy in God's sight, separate and set apart to serve him in that way. I love the number seven. Seven days. We, knew, we know that numerically seven stands for completion and wholeness. And God is saying they will be completely made holy unto me by doing this thing. I also think of seven when it comes to the days of creation. And here you can think of Aaron and his sons becoming a new creation at the end of the, the seven days. That they're a new thing, a new creation. And so they undergo this ordination for seven days. And what takes place in there, you can see um, in, in 8, verse 2, with the, with the items that Moses is asked to bring, contains all the elements of the ordination that we have to understand. God says to Moses, he says, bring Aaron and his sons, their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket containing bread made without yeast, and gather the entire assembly at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. This is going to be a public ceremony. It's going to be done in front of all the people because all the people need to understand something is happening here to Aaron and his sons, and I want them to see it. We're going to do it for seven days. And so first they bring uh, the garments. They bring the garments. Why do they bring garments? Because clothing sometimes signifies a different kind of position or a different kind of standing. I don't know about you, but when I go to the doctor... I like my doctor to show up in a white lab coat. I just do. I feel like they know what they're doing. Uh, we have police officers who wear uniforms. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, all kinds of, uh, the military wears uniforms, indicates their status. There have been times where I have uh, been asked to help like with, with crisis in the community, and, and they've requested that I wear a collar. Why? Because the uniform communicates something. And so God is saying Aaron and his sons are going to be dressed differently from the rest of the people because they're set apart to serve me. But notice before they get dressed, what did Moses do to them in verse 6? It says Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. Water symbolizes cleansing. Aaron and his sons need to be made pure. Remember all the offerings that were given? They had to be spotless. They had to be without blemish. In fact, if you were unfortunate as Aaron and one of his sons and one of their sons and one of their sons to have some sort of physical defect, you could not serve as a priest. You had to be spotless. You had to be without blemish. And so symbolically they were washed to cleanse away the dirt from their life, to cleanse away the things of this world. And then they put on the garments that symbolized a new status for them. And you may notice that Aaron uh, received special vestments as the chief priest, as the one who was the supreme priest above all priests. That was Aaron's role. He also received some special items that he had to wear. I don't have time to go into all of them today, but on the resource of the week we have on the table out there, uh, they're outlined for you. There's also a poster in the lobby where you may look at these special items that Aaron had, had to wear to be the high priest. But all of this was made so that when they put on these vestments, they put on these clothes, as God said in Exodus 28, that the people would look at them, and they would look at them uh, with eyes of dignity and honor. Instantly they would look at them, and they would see the way they were dressed. In fact, 
uh, Aaron wore, uh, his clothes was the colors of the very tabernacle. He symbolized that he was like a walking tabernacle among them. And so they would see the very, you know, feel like the very presence of God among them. But they would achieve this status of dignity and honor through their clothing. So they put on these garments during this time. Then they also used anointing oil. It says uh, Moses brought anointing oil with him. If you have your Bibles open, it's interesting, I think, uh, to look at Exodus 30. God gives us the recipe in Exodus 30 for this anointing oil. He's saying, here's how you're going to mix it up together. You've got these fine spices, and you're going to have myrrh, and uh, then you're going to take uh, cinnamon, and you're going to take calamus, and uh, you're going to take cassia, and uh, you are going to take olive oil, and you're going to mix them into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, and it will be sacred anointing oil. And then use it on everything in the temple, use it on Aaron, and consecrate them, and he says in verse 29, so they will be most holy, and whoever, whatever touches them will be holy. And God says in verse 32, do not pour it on anything else except what is sacred to me. If it gets poured on and you use it in a, in a way that's, that's not holy, in a way that's not setting things aside for me, well, that person must uh, be cut off from the people. This is a special oil just for me, and anything this oil touches belongs to me. And so this oil is, is poured out on Aaron's head. This oil is, is applied to the priest. The oil is applied to all the things that they will touch and be involved with. Why? Because they're set apart to the Lord. They're achieving this special status. They get their garments, they get their clothing, and then also what does Moses bring along? He tells them to bring along bulls and rams, and he tells them to bring along bread. If you were paying attention last week, you would know that they bring along uh, the bulls, and we're bringing them along uh, for uh, a burnt offering. Remember, the burnt offering was the most costly, and the burnt offering meant total dedication to the Lord. And so they put their hands on them again, the Shemachah, which is where uh, uh, everything is transferred from me onto this, this bull. And so this bull, and notice it was a male bull, which in that day would have been the most expensive spotless, blemished, male bull. And how many of them did they use over this time? Seven. Seven times they, they offered a male bull. It was saying, this is Aaron, and this is Aaron's sons, and this bull is being completely offered to God. And then they came to the rams, Shemachah, we're putting our sin upon them. This is the sin offering that they're putting upon them. They're putting the sin offering on them which means that my sins are now uh, contained in this perfect animal, and this animal is giving its life for my life, because that's the only way you're made holy, is, is a life has to be given. Life is found in the blood, and so uh, uh, this animal now is being burnt as a sin offering for me, so that I'm made pure. We talked about that last week. And then they bring bread, and the bread was also offered, and again, what kind of offering was that, if you remember? It was a fellowship offering. They give the bread, and this means a meal. This means between God and I, we're having a meal together. And then in the ancient days, when you had a meal together, it meant you belonged. It meant you were together. It meant that you were one. And so they made these offerings to God. Do you see what's going on here with all these rituals that God is putting in place? And this is repeated for seven days. Every day they did the same thing. At the tent of the meeting, 
so that when Aaron and his sons got to the eighth day, they had achieved a new status as being holy and set apart for God, so that through him and through their work at maintaining God's holiness in the temple, his presence could show up, and he could dwell among his people. That's what we've been, where we've been aiming for the whole time. So Aaron and his sons are now ordained, and we get to chapter 9, and we see in chapter 9 that it says, uh, it starts on the, uh, uh, this would be the eighth day. We're done. It says again, the Lord said to Moses, okay, bring, um, I'm sorry, I'm wrong chapter. Nine, on the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons together and the elders of Israel. And he said, this is the day. You guys have been put in place, and so now I'm going to let you worship the Lord. So what? Uh, we look at verse number uh, four, at the end of four. For today the Lord will appear to you. See where Leviticus has been heading? See where God's putting everything in place? We want to get the conditions right as God said they would. We'll have the tabernacle. We'll bring our offerings and do our worship. We'll let the priests lead us. And then God said he will dwell and live among us. And we'll be able to experience his glory. That's what they've been aiming for. That's what they've been striving to, 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 to achieve here. Because, not because of them, but because of God. God wanted to live and dwell among them. And so we read that they do their worship service. And what do we read on 923? That uh, when Moses and Aaron that came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the people. It worked. What God said what he put in place, I'll put all the pieces in place. He said, if you do this, if you follow my decrees, my laws, you follow these things, I will show up and be able to live with you. And God showed up and it said, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. And there was God's presence. The fire that was on the mountain, that was the last time they saw it, Mount Sinai, that fire from the mountain was now the fire of the tent. And they knew that as they left from the foot of Mount Sinai, heading towards the promised land, that wherever they went, the presence of the Lord was there in his tent to dwell and to go with them. On the condition that God said, I'm holy, so you be holy. And I put everything in place to enable the conditions to be right so that we can walk in this relationship together. And God said, his wish from the very beginning, his desire, I guess it wasn't a wish, it was his desire. He says, there at the tent of the meeting, I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. That was the starting point. And we see right here in Leviticus 9 that our holy God was faithful. Our holy God came, and he lived and dwelled among his people as he said he would do. So my, I guess my question for you today would, would be this. Do you live in the presence of God? Does God live and dwell with you? Is your daily life marked by the glory of the Lord on your life? We 
we know from Leviticus, and as Greg referred to earlier, that the condition for God's presence to be available with his people was that it had to be an environment of holiness. It had to be holiness. In Hebrews, we are told to be holy, for without holiness, no one can see God. No one can see God without holiness. David decried in the Psalms, he said, Who may ascend to the hill? Who may go see the presence of the Lord? And the response was, Only he who has a pure heart and clean hands. Only the one who is holy. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are holy because they will see God. God shows up in an environment of holiness. Is your life marked by holiness today? So that God may show up and dwell and live and be present with you in your life? What we learned in, in Leviticus is that, and what the people realized for all those years through the tabernacle and the temple, that the way to God's holiness was through the altar. The way to God's holiness was through the altar. They didn't come into their ordination. God's people didn't come into his presence without an offering, without a gift, without a life given for a life so that they could be made holy. The Shemekah, that my life that would be transferred in a pure one, an innocent one, would give his holy life for me. And the good news is this, that your God, who said, I want to live and dwell with you, gave an offering for you so that he can be with you. That's our God. Because the book of Romans tells us that uh, all these rules and rituals and all this stuff that God set up as the years went on and the years went on, just found out, you know what? It didn't work. Why? Because the people continued to fail over and over again. I show up with my bull, I show up with my ram, I show up with my offering. I'm good today. Oh, I got to do it again tomorrow. I got to do it again the next day. I got to go on. I'm a sinner. I just got, it's not working. And because, uh, because of this, God in his love, who wanted to be in a relationship so bad with his people, God said, I'll send the offering. I'll send a once and for all offering. And through the altar... Through the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus poured out his blood, where his blood was shed, we now, as the scriptures say, can have remission of sin. Peter says it's through the sprinkling of the blood that our sins are forgiven. Through the sprinkling of the blood. The blood, remember how it was used in the tabernacle? It was used as a cleansing agent. The blood was sprinkled, and when that life that blood, the life that was contained in that blood, when it touched anything, that made it pure, that made it clean. And so when you are touched by the blood of Jesus Christ, when you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, God looks at you, and he sees you as innocent, and he sees you as pure. He sees you free from sin and free from the judgment of sin, and he sees you as holy. And no one, says the scriptures, comes to the Father except through 
to all guests, except through Jesus. No one. And so if you want to dwell and live with God, if you want to dwell daily in the presence of the Lord, it starts with Jesus Christ. Have you accepted the offering that God gave for you? You don't have to do anything except accept the offer that God gave to you. And then say, I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Do you believe that in your heart? Then the scriptures tell us you'll be saved. You'll be made holy. And you'll have a holy standing before God. And the presence of God can show up in holiness. There are a few things in my life that I'm very particular about. I'm very particular that if you have apple crisp or pie, it has to have ice cream on top of it. Amen, right? I will go out of my way to go to the store to go get it. Uh, I am particular that I have to use a, a Pilot uh, Gel Fine Point Pen for my writing. Very particular about that. I'm also very particular uh, about my bath towels. They need to be large because I'm large. They need to be soft because I'm soft. <laughs> Obviously, they need to be absorbent. They need to be uh, uh, just, they just need to be delightful. I don't know any other way to put it. When you get out of the shower, you just want to be able to, to wipe yourself off. And unless I create some awful images that none of you will ever be able to shake, again, uh, I'm very particular about, about my towels. And, and uh, I will even say, Amy, where is the good towel? That's my name for it. Because I, I will not. Every once in a while, it has to get laundered, right? But I can't dry off. In while the good towel is getting laundered, because then I have to use a cruddy towel. And that's not going to happen. Lest I, I'm not putting a cruddy towel on this. This deserves the good towel. And so this is the good towel. Now, if something happens in my house, uh, the toilet overflows. The cats vomit. Uh, paint needs to be cleaned up. You do not grab the good towel. You grab, that's right, you grab the cruddy towel. That's what you grab. You do not use the good towel. To soil it with other things at all, you use the cruddy towel. Do you know God has made you, through Jesus Christ, to be a good towel? Because who are you when you are in Jesus Christ? You are holy. You are holy. You are holy and set apart for God's purposes. 
and to bring glory to God. That's why you exist. You don't exist to clean up cat vomit and clean up paint and clean up overflowing toilets. You exist for the glory of God as a good towel. And yet so many people in their lives do not live into who God has made them in Jesus Christ. And instead, they use themselves for the things of the world. They use themselves to enjoy the lust of their life. They use themselves to enjoy everything that is about sin and that is about the nature of this world, rather than declaring, I will have nothing to do with that because I am holy and I am a good towel. And when we are living our lives as cruddy towels, we will have a hard time seeing God. We will have a hard time experiencing the presence of God. Because where does God live? He lives in the holy. He lives in the good towel. So if you're struggling today to to know who God is, yes, you were made holy by Jesus Christ. Yes, you are a holy person. Nothing takes that away. But that now is who you are, are called to be. But some of you are struggling to to experience the presence of God. God is not showing up. You do not see the glory of the Lord around you because you have given your life over to being a cruddy towel. And so for some of us today, we need to do what the Bible says is repent of that. We need to say, God, this is not what I'm about. This is not who you made me to be. You set me apart to be holy. I'm not not made to be this. So, God, I'm sorry for for living for other things, for living for my fleshly desires, for, for living for the ways of the world, for focusing on the priorities of this world. God, will you forgive me of this? Because I, I was made, and you gave Jesus Christ for me so that I can be holy. And that's what I want to live into. And God tells us that he is faithful and just. And when we confess our sins, what does it say God will do? He will cleanse us. Is that ringing a bell with our Leviticus? He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us into our holy standing. Yes, we're going to mess up. Every once in a while, this good towel will be used to wipe off muddy feet. Shouldn't have done it. But in those moments, I turn my heart back to God and say, no, I am holy. That's who I am. That's who you made me to be. And that's what I'm going to live into. So as we close, I want to ask the, the worship team just to come forward. And as we close, I want you to just think about where you're at today and circle back to that first question I asked. Is the presence of God in your life, are you living and dwelling in His holiness? Because there is no sweeter place to be than right there in the glory of the Lord. And my hope is that that would be your desire, that you want to live in the glory of the Lord because that is where life is found. That's where eternal life is found. 
And so maybe today, what you need to do is simply say, I don't have that holy standing before God. I've never given my life over to Jesus Christ. And maybe today you need to give your life over to Jesus Christ. In these next few minutes, I just ask you to get alone with God, God who is present with us here in the worship of his people, and just say, God, I confess to you that, that I've just been living in the world. I've been living about myself. If I had to stand before you today, I am filthy and covered with sin. And God, today I want to stand before you covered by Jesus Christ. And so I will accept what Jesus has done for me, God. And I'm going to live my life a new way. I'm going to live towards holiness. Maybe that's a commitment that you need to make today. Make it. Don't delay. Make that commitment today. And for some of us, we probably can remember that day where we stood in front of our church family and we said, we are holy. I'm standing here today as a holy person because I've placed my life at the altar in Jesus Christ. But if you're honest, you haven't lived into your calling of being a holy person. You've gone the way of the world. You're dealing today with some habits, some patterns, some emotions, some desires that are not holy at all. Not holy at all. They have nothing to do with God. They're all of the world and they're all of you. And today you need to spend some time confessing to God who will reestablish that environment of holiness so you can experience his fullness again in your life. How do you need to turn today to experience the glory of God? Father, I want to pray for, for all of those who are listening to your word today, whether we are here in this place or we are in our homes. God, wherever we are at today, we pray for your spirit to come and to convict us, to nudge us, to direct us, because we want to be found in your presence. We know that that's been your desire, that you love us, that you love us as your people, and you want to live and dwell with us. And we thank you that you have done everything possible to make that happen. And so right now, God, I want to pray for those who need to give their life to Jesus Christ, to be covered by by Jesus. Will you help them come to the altar today and know that through the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, today they are made pure and holy in your sight. And others of us, God, need a nudge of your spirit to turn, to turn from the ways of this world and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help us to make that move today as well, God. Come sit here at the altar today show us impress upon us what it is that we need to offer to you so that you can come and dwell 